shave, drawing a gun with his pinky. He looked at her face. Admiral blue eyes, as if spun from colored glass, the delicate bridge of her nose framed by high cheekbones, her arched eyebrows the color of wheat which now drew together in worry. Please tell them a good story, he thought. But do we still have some time? He inhaled sharply. I'm leaving tomorrow on the three o'clock transport train. Saying tomorrow made his heart pound for her and for him. Too soon, so little time. He wondered if she would let him inside her tonight, their last night. On special occasions, she proved more compliant. Tonight, he thought, was a special occasion. The thought of her turning away, saying her head hurt, flashing that half-apologetic smile, infuriated him. He stared down at his lace-up Oxfords, scoffed tips. Should take them in, he thought. No point, tomorrow he'd be gone. He pictured his empty shoes standing in his dark closet, perfectly in line with the other pairs. Josephine touched his arm. What are you thinking? The courtyard's uneven stones made their chairs lean slightly off kilter, and for a moment it looked as if she might slide off. My shoes are scuffed. What? she said. How afraid should he feel of war? The question burned. But it didn't matter how much fear he felt or didn't feel. He was already in it, signed up and registered, and desertion promised death. They made sure everyone understood that. How can you think of shoes, of all things? You'll be gone by nightfall tomorrow, and you don't even know how to hold a gun. He detected a hint of malice in her voice, as if he should know how to hold a gun properly, like her brother did from shooting pheasant in Grunewald Forest. But Lev had grown up in the city, never touched a gun in his life, never killed not even a deer or a bird. Jews don't hunt, he remembered his mother saying, nor do they ride horses, sail, swim, fight in duels, or drink. And he remembered thinking, what do Jews do then? All the valiant heroic activities were reserved for Gentiles, for men like Josephine's brother, Karl von Stressing, who taunted Lev with his grey and white dappled steed as he trotted through the Tiergarten with his sabre and his hunting rifle and his tall black boots. But now they were both privates enlisted in the German army, both fighting for Germany, both shooting and killing, and then afterward drinking in the trenches. Lev already tasted the vodka, clear and pure and burning in his throat. How will you learn in time? Josephine asked more gently. Training's in the barracks close to the front for four weeks, and then will be sent off into the jaws of hell, he said realizing how flat it sounded. Please don't say that. I'm sorry. He looked into her watery light eyes. Back by Christmas, I promise. When his mouth closed on that word, promise, Lev knew it was a lie. As each night passed, the men grew listless and stared out the train windows. A pale student from the university sat beside Lev, frowning, he was studying to be an engineer.
He flipped his brass lighter open and closed methodically. The farther away they were from Berlin, the denser and darker the forests grew. The endless pines caught most of the light in their branches, creating a tunneling effect. Lev placed his palm against the cool glass of the windowpane. It was almost dawn. A hot rain had fallen, flooding the earth on either side of the tracks. Passing through Prussia, they clung to traces of home in an otherwise alien landscape. Romantic ruined castles of the Teutonic Order, with names like Kreuzberg and Duneberg. We are reclaiming what is truthfully ours, the men murmured. Lev nodded along, handing out wilted cigarettes. He felt an unexpected burst of goodwill for these strangers, shop assistants and students and businessmen and doctors and cobblers. They were all mixed together in the sweaty boxcar, and Lev marveled at the oneness war produces.